You need to stop lying about our president, mister. You're nothing but a propagandist. You're no good. You're no good. You're just another left-side hypocrite. You are no good. Leave Mr. Trump alone. Stop lying. Kabish? The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to the show. This episode 324 of your listener-supported, listener-produced I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore, and sitting across from me, no worse for the wear, whatever that means, Brittany Page. So we have a little treat here. <laughs> You're getting right to it, huh? Yeah. Eager. Eager to get moving. <laughs> I I don't know about that, but we have a little treat. Well, l- let me say this before we get started. Oh. I kind of like when listeners send us things. I love it. This isn't a a hint. It's not a, I love it, wink, wink, send us more shit. But it's always nice. We have a listener who lives in Sweden. Yeah. He is from Norway, mm-hmm. living in Sweden. I don't know how that works out. Bob. Bob. His name is Kajartan. Mm-hmm. And I know he, I, I just fucked it up. But he's That's a, why he says we can call him Bob. Yeah, it's a he's a patron. He's a Patreon patron. And he he's been on the calls with us. Yeah. And he, he has said his it's one of those deals where It's guttural. He says the name. I repeat the name, thinking it sounds exactly like he said it. And he's like, no, 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 not like that. Like this. He says it again. I repeat it seemingly the same way. And it's Doesn't always work wrong. Out. Yeah. So Kajartan. From Bob, Sweden, yeah, sent us this booze, uh huh, this liquor. Yeah, he he packaged it very well because it came all the way from Sweden and it arrived intact, and it was a lot of duct tape. A let's lot just of say duct that. tape, <laughs> and it was also heavily scented. Yeah, I listen, buddy. I feel as though we we know what he smells like because his. His smell was in That's the package. That's a lot of cologne. It was... <laughs> the trash can smells great a right tremendous now. tremendous amount of cologne. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's L-I-N-I-E. Mm-hmm. Lenny. Yeah. Liney. Mm-hmm. Aquavit. Mm-hmm. A-Q-U-A-V-I-T. Matured at sea in oak sherry casks. Ooh. Twice across across the equator, product of Norway, sailed to the other side of the world and back again for more than 200 years. So I think we're going to have to install a shelf in the studio. And by we, you mean me? You will have to do that. And we're going to have to put all of the foreign booze bottles that we've received on the shelf. That is true. I mean, this is only our second one, but... Well, you know. once I once I eat all that hot sauce from Todd in Arkansas, yeah, then we'll add that to the shelf. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily just have to be foreign bottles of booze. It can be anything. Products. Yes. That are sent. But this is our second foreign bottle of booze. Yeah, our second bottle of booze, period. Yeah. Both from Scandinavia. Yes. Oddly enough. And the first one, real good. From from Nikki. Yeah. In, well, I guess she's not Scandinavia, but Northern Europe. Yes. From the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. The Shabalabalaba. Yeah. <laughs> this one, this one from Bob does not seem to be as easy drinking no, it, as the previous. It's a little, uh, a little uh, stings the nose, yeah. as they say. So, so why don't you go ahead and try it no, first? No, we're going to do it at the same time. No. You go first and then I'll. No. It has to be you. No. We're not going to argue about this on the air. You go first. I'm not going first. <laughs> so there, there doesn't have to be an argument because I'm not going to. All right. All right. Yeah. So we're going to do this live. Yes. It is 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> what better time? And we're going to do a shot of booze. So here right. we go. <laughs> and it is down. Hmm. And he's reacting favorably. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's smooth. Yeah. 
if you there is a a mild it finishes a little licorice. Oh, good. Very, very mild mm-hmm. on the back on the back end. Yes, I'm very, very official here. Yeah. Oh, mild, mild licorice notes. <laughs> I don't know why Yoda's talking about that, but yeah. So, uh, it, it is stingy, little uh, burny, uh-huh. not too bad. Yeah. If you've ever had Fernet, which is kind of a, a medicinal herbal kind of a liquor, uh-huh. I don't know why I said medicinal because it's still fucking liquor. But it's kind of like that. I know you've never had it. So Brittany is taking it. She's drinking it. No, no. Do the whole thing, Brittany. That is bullshit. I'm not doing the whole thing. That Brittany. I did a little bit. <laughs> I am very disappointed, as I'm sure the entire audience is oh. right now, that you did not do. You took a taste of that. Yeah. Well, I. that's what I do. So I'm not going to wow. follow your rules that you're barking at me right now. Wow. Um, I like it. So much that you took a little tiny taste. No, I tasted it so I could determine whether or not I liked it. Yeah, I do like it. Um, it is not as easy drinking as the previous um, <laughs> drink, but I, I do like it. It is something that I would. Y- you were saying, oh, you're not going to be able to drink that because you're a dick. Is that what I said? Yeah, I said that. Yeah, we could roll the tape back. I no, don't. No, you didn't I say it on that. the show. You said it oh, off mic. Right, no proof, but you're just making claims. Mm, well, I'll just start recording you at all times <laughs> and logging that, and then we'll see how that goes. So anyway, Kajartan, Bob, we appreciate the the effort of sending us booze from across the sea twice again, or whatever the logo says. Yeah, and we'll be drinking it with you. On the Patreon call on Friday. That's right. Mm-hmm. Or or Saturday, depending upon which you choose. <laughs> so, that is that. Oh, and if you guys have a hankering to send us some shit. So, it's more than a wink-wink. It's apparently... <laughs> anyway, our, our, our P.O. box is somewhere on the website. We'll just we'll say that. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get moving on with hashtag third episode this week, Brittany Page. And let's start it as we often do with emails and voicemails. So we have an email from Imfuniso. <laughs> Pretty good. And I... They actually described how to say their name. In the email. And that was pretty good. Yeah, I think I put too much emphasis on certain parts. No, here, here's... Here... <laughs> <laughs> Here's the deal. You uh, get inside your head about you know you're not going to say it exactly right because because you're such a perfectionist, you just you shit the bed. <laughs> you you go crazy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because <laughs> because I'm such a perfectionist, I just fuck it all up. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly how it that's goes. That's kind of it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, on with Imfunny Sos. Now, I think I fucked it up <laughs> with uh, their their email. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, what are your thoughts on the Young Turks? They take on a more progressive viewpoint on politics, and I was wondering how much their thoughts aligned with you both. Thanks. I, uh, <laughs> wow. What is happening I know, right I don't now? Know. Well, I, I'll say this. We've gotten this question before, I think, and we've talked about it because you have had people tweet the Young Turks kind of on a regular basis, I would say. Pretty often. Saying, hey, look at this Jesse Dollimore guy. He would fit right in with your organization. And I don't know if you think that that's an accurate assessment, but it seems that people have that perception. Yeah, I think they're farther left than I am. I I don't watch them on YouTube I'm not a regular consumer of their content. Um, when we were at Politicon, though, we did see that Hassan kid. Mm-hmm. And then the the redheaded, like the skinnier version of me, the skinnier, more cool version of me, the guy who does the Tommy Laren videos. <laughs> um, we did see him, and he and I made eye contact, and he kind of did a double take. Like, oh, hey, it's you. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I'm not a... You know, well, one, you and I are very busy, so I don't have a lot of time to consume other outlets' commentary and material because we're preparing our own. But, you know, I don't have any. I used to kind of have a a deal with Jank because they're Armenian genocide deniers 
or apologists or, you know, I guess they used to have that. Apparently he's apologized. I don't know. I don't have anything against him. They seem to be doing good work. They dominated Politicon. I mean, the Jank um, Ben Shapiro mm-hmm. debate was the, the the fucking corner the the the, the hot button yeah. of Politicon like the the last day. Well, it ended up being bigger than even Politicon expected. They yeah. had to move it to a different location. I think we had already pieced out, and they had and we're eating delicious food somewhere. They had far more people <laughs> than they were expecting for that event as well. They had to move it yeah. to the main, the big auditorium. That's what I just said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They had to move it. And <laughs> it, it, you might want to mention that they had to move it, Brittany. Yeah. Um, it's okay. That happens. <laughs> it's hashtag third episode. <laughs> um, I I haven't really watched them either, but I did watch the Anna Kasparian and Coulter debate. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was great. I haven't really seen anything from Anna Kasparian. So that was my first experience watching her and i thought that she did very well against ann coulter that's a hard thing to do (laughs) hard to not do well um when you're just up against a racist well one thing that's hard about it i think is keeping your cool yeah and maintaining she's got a lot of neck to choke too so maintaining an intellectual (laughs) approach to that discussion as opposed to what i just did yes and i think that she did very well yeah in that regard. All right. Well, I, I hope that answers your question. Uh, before we move on, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that they had to move the event to a larger <laughs> venue because, uh, you know, there were so many people who were interested. That was a good one. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Let's get to a voicemail. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. Uh, glad to hear you guys are back. I hope you guys got to uh, enjoy at least a little bit of your vacation. It sounded like it was a uh, Pretty rough, but I hope you guys have some time to enjoy. Glad to have you back. Just wanted to touch base on a couple of comments, uh, or just a couple of things that were brought up in the most latest episode. Um, I, too, am just very, I'm, I'm really, like, taken aback and just surprised by this whole blind allegiance or solidarity to just people who are just, like, you know, Donald Trump supporters and just go along with anything. He, like, people who don't question their own administration, I think there's a problem with that. I mean, you have to question, you have to push back. You find out, you find the common ground, but you have to push back. Um, and it's just, it just, it really is just, you know, guys, um, the other thing I'm like really just, I, I, and just like the whole thing where he was just like, you know, making excuses for Russia. And we have, I mean, somebody like that who actually supports Russia and like vocally outright says it, I agree, should be deemed a traitor. I mean, there's no excuse for that, none whatsoever. And I don't understand. It still, it, it makes me crazy. And Jesse, please understand, man, you are not the only one right now trying to understand how crazy this administration is. But I know I called in a few weeks ago saying how pessimistic I was feeling about the Don Trump uh, Jr. situation. I'm not feeling so pessimistic anymore. I'm feeling like this is like coming to the tail end of the downward spiral of this administration. I feel like this is going to come to a head very, very quickly here. I know, I just we feel like, you know, we see the problem in the White House. We see the problem in this administration. And we feel like, you know, okay, we see the problem. We got to remove it before it gets worse. I think we're getting to that point now. I'm feeling much more optimistic about that. Um, oh, um, by the way, guys, just wanted to let you know that uh, I fart on the airplane, too. Um, when I lived in New York City, I farted in the subway. I live by the old adage, better out than in. And, yeah, just to let you know. It wasn't me, but... If we are on the same airplane together, per chance, just to let you guys know, give you fair warning ahead of time. Love you guys. Love the show. You're both the best part. Take care. Glad to have you back. Bye. Well, that whole we're both the best part thing's about to change because this guy, <laughs> is this guy kidding right are now? Are you banning him from the show? <laughs> Almost banned from the show. I'm horrified. <laughs> Farting on a plane. A subway. Look, a subway's dirty. I, I kind of, I get it, but an airplane, you're fucking trapped. It's an assault. Five miles in the air. It's an assault. If I was in charge, it would be illegal. A lot of people, listen, <laughs> Here, here's, and I'm not even a guy who's like, ugh, farting, like Brittany is. That's Brittany. That's my <laughs> invitation to Brittany. Ew, farting. <laughs> um, oh, great. When you fart, when you smell it. 
those are poo particles that you're that are in your nose. Yeah. You're taking into your body mm-hmm. someone else's shit flakes. Hashtag science. It is science. Otherwise, it wouldn't... <laughs> if you don't okay. smell it, it's not... So what you're saying is you love inhaling poo flakes. No, I don't. No, you do, because you just mocked me and said, oh, farting, but well, you love... I, I don't know that I did my arms like that. You did. Like I had little flippers. You did. See, I can't accuse you of anything without proof, so I'm just going to no have proof. to start recording <laughs> you with audio and video footage to prove everything. So anyway, how dare you, sir? I yes. guess that's what we're saying. Yes. But to Handle get, those tum cramps, sir. To get to the, the substance of what you were talking about, um, I, I, I've said it many times that I try to stay positive, and that's kind of my general demeanor is more a silver lining guy. I'm a positive guy. But I would agree with you on multiple fronts. One, that it is traitorous to call into question the 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 accuracy of of uh, like in a general sense not trusting the integrity of our intelligence services while giving carte blanche to Putin and the former KJB KGB which is which is now called the FSB um that is traitorous you know it is giving aid and comfort to our enemy the other thing about what you said that I think is great is this is the tail end. We may have a year or so to go here watching um, this administration flame out, go into a tailspin, a free fall, crashing to the earth, but it is happening. And each and every you know freak out that they have where they try to cover something up fecklessly uh, I'm 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 given new life, new energy because it's happening, and it's happening <laughs> post haste. It's happening very quickly at their own hand. So it's yeah, no good. Yeah. So thanks for the call. No thanks for the farts. Apparently. <laughs> exactly. All right. On to the next call. Hi, this is Courtney from McMinnville, Oregon, and. I'm just following up to the last voicemail call from Brian, who's my husband, and he's the one who admitted to farting on airplanes and on the subway, and I've tried really, really hard to get him to stop. And so if there's anybody out there who has advice for how to get your husband to stop farting in public places, I am absolutely all ears. Uh, by the way, I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm going through bouts of either being terrified of this administration or hopeful that American justice will prevail and get this guy out. I feel like... If, if people are still ignoring or still defending Trump. And I don't know what happened. Oh, no. But the important part of the call. I know what happened. The previous caller is her husband. Walked in on her recording this. And she had to get, she had to get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for fear of a fart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Do I we don't, have advice? I don't have advice. No. I think just shame him publicly. No, you just got to lean into it. No. So when he farts on the plane, you stand up and you say, guess what, everybody? <laughs> he just did that to you. Wow. Yes, it's him. Public shaming. Yeah. I don't know how good of a strategy that is for the continuance of their relationship. <laughs> but I, you don't seem too concerned for those matters. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Public shame is far more You important. can't do that. No public shaming. I'm anti-public shaming. You are? Yes. I'm not so much. I for sure am. Just not when you're confined in it, because you never know, a riot may break out. Yeah. I just don't understand. Delta staff may show up and ding your face against the... The armrest. Yeah, I just don't understand what is this impulse to... You can get up and go to the bathroom, you know? And then it's like in the bathroom. Like on a plane. Yeah. Yo, Trump, baby! (laughs) We got some Hillary bitches on here? Come on, baby! Trump! That that was an airplane guy. Yeah. So, (laughs) Thank you for explaining why you played that. Hashtag third episode. And... I there's solutions to not assaulting others with the poop smell. And it just seems like if there's alternatives, 
then you should use those alternatives. You seem very passionate about this subject. Like, you've given it some thought. Well, I've been assaulted many times. Assaulted. By the poop smell. <laughs> yeah. And it's... Yeah. You know, yeah. I've walked into elevators. Yeah. See, that's another one. Come on. You're only on there for, for 30 seconds. And that's really... Oh, wow. You must have been having an oh. emergency situation. I feel bad for you, but come on. Yeah, unless you're getting ready to literally shit your pants, there's no there's no time for that on an elevator. No, it's gonna take a long time to air that thing out because those doors are not open very long. That's it's true. very rude. That is true. <laughs> it is very rude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like sh- shitting or, or 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 farting in a giant Ziploc bag. It's just <laughs> it's in there. Yeah, it's in there. Yes. All right. <laughs> Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dollamore. Richard? Richard. Brian. Brian. And Stephen. Stephen. Yes. Is it a Stephen or a Stefan? That is a good question. I never know. I think that's a PH. I'm not looking at the the, the screen, so. Yeah. Um, You're just reading my mind. They'll have to let us know. No, because I get the same emails. I just yeah. don't have it in front of me. Yeah. Um, well, sometimes you have to make a choice, and I made one choice, and it's probably the wrong choice. So, <laughs> uh Go it's ahead not and let us funny, know. So. Yeah. So, you know, what, what are you going to do? Good times. Hey, listen, we love you guys. Thank you for your support. Coming back after vacation is nice when there was a, you know, a lull because we're not in your face all the time talking about how your support is what keeps the show going. And it's nice. As soon as we start back up, people are like, oh, it's time. Yeah. Get to hear myself. Well, and I think it is important that people know that we are a listener-supported podcast. So... We have had sponsors, and that may happen in the future, but most of what keeps this going is the base of listeners that supports us. Right, and that's also kind of the benefit of doing the hashtag third episode. Correct. Is because it gives you a flavor. Yeah. Although maybe this isn't the flavor you like with all the poop talk. Mm -hmm. It is good to go. Democracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So after we finished last episode, episode 323, five minutes after the mics got turned off. Maybe not even that. Yeah. Goddamn. This is one. It's kind of the exciting time that we live in relative to the news cycle, especially related to Donald Trump. But also, it's it's a it's a topsy turvy world we're living in, because five minutes after we finished the show talking about how Scaramucci was the new White House communications director, he got shit canned. We just swore in General Kelly. He will do a spectacular job, I have no doubt. Another wave of White House chaos swept through the West Wing. Just hours after President Trump welcomed his new chief of staff, retired General John Kelly, to the White House, his recently hired and embattled communications director, Anthony Scaramucci, suddenly stepped down. General Kelly has the full authority um, to operate within the White House, and all staff will report to him. I love the president. It was just 10 days ago when the man nicknamed the Mooch pledged to improve White House messaging and praised outgoing press secretary Sean Spicer and then chief of staff Ryan's Priebus. As it relates to Sean, it speaks volumes to who he is as a human being, who he is as a team player. Okay, so his attitude is, if Anthony's coming in, let me clear the slate for Anthony. And I do appreciate that about Sean and I love him for it. Uh, but I don't have any friction with Sean. I don't have any friction with Ryan's. The following week, he went to war with Priebus, savaging the then chief of staff in a profanity-laced rant to the New Yorker, suggesting he might be the source of White House leaks. As you know from the Italian expression, the fish stinks from the head down. But I can tell you two fish that don't stink, okay? And that's me and the president. The White House said in a statement Mr. Scaramucci felt it was best to give chief of staff John Kelly a clean slate and the ability to build his own team. 
But sources told CNN new chief of staff John Kelly had lost confidence in Scaramucci. It was an immediate sign that Kelly is aiming to bring order to a White House that's been rocked by near-constant staff turmoil. The president had praised Kelly as a miracle worker in his previous job as Secretary of Homeland Security. You look at the border, you look at the tremendous results we've had, and you look at the spirit. And with a very controversial situation, there's been very little controversy, which is pretty amazing by itself. So I want to congratulate you on having done a fantastic job, General, and we look forward to, uh, if it's possible, an even better job as chief of staff. But earlier in the day, the president took to Twitter to insist all is well, touting the nation's stock market and unemployment rate before insisting no White House chaos, a message echoed by Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders. If you want to see chaos come to my house with three preschoolers, uh, this doesn't hold a candle to that. The new chief of staff will find rival factions still in place. Even with Scaramucci gone, there are still sharp elbows being thrown by strategist Steve Bannon, Counselor Kellyanne Conway, even the president's family, all competing for the president's attention. Donor Ivanka Trump hailed Kelly in a tweet as a true American hero. We'll see you in the boardroom. In the president's cabinet-turned-boardroom, Kelly was able to observe another source of White House tension, the damaged relationship with Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who's gone from being trashed publicly by Mr. Trump last week to sitting across the room from him silently today. So all of that happened immediately upon um, (laughs) finishing the last episode. It really goes to to a... I'm conflicted here. (laughs) Because is this administration sowing chaos as a diversion? Or is it really just... Who knows what the fuck is going on over there? No one's in charge. And maybe that's why General John Kelly has been appointed to be the chief of staff, taken away from the Homeland Security Department. And now there's talk that uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions might fill that void at Homeland Security, which would open up a slot for Donald Trump to appoint someone more favorable, not recused, from the Russia investigation. A lot of moving parts. Here's what we do know is that it was a great day at the White House. Yeah, no On the chaos. 31st. <laughs> a great day at the White House, Donald Trump tweeted. So that's the, that's what we need to know. It really is. It's it's he protests too much. I want to talk about Sarah Huckabee Sanders because they played you, you really like her a lot. They played a little bit of her comments in that clip. Wow. I do not like her. Yeah. What is happening? Well, it, it is also... She's she's more aggressive, I think, than Sean Spicer was. She's passive aggressive. Like when she comes in and she makes shitty little jokes and then yeah. they don't laugh and she's like, oh, you guys are in a great mood today. This will be fun. Like she makes shitty comments all the time. She's a lot like her stupid fucking dad trying to be the funny guy making the jokes. Mike Huckabee. I think that it's unfortunate because she should be a professional. She's working in a professional job. Yeah. And she has a very important job as well to communicate to the public what's going on in the White House, what's happening with this administration. And instead, she chooses to be dismissive and rude. Doesn't make eye contact a lot of times when questions are being asked of her. Yeah, she's disrespectful. Yeah, she really is. there should be this working relationship between her and members of the press in order to get information out to the public. But of course, this administration is very not interested in doing that. Instead, they want a blockade put up. She seems more dismissive of the press, yeah. disrespectful of the press than even Sean Spicer was. Yeah, I think that she is far more hostile than Sean Spicer was. And I don't know if they have mocked her on SNL yet, but I hope that they get to that soon because I think that that <laughs> no, I think it's an important thing. And they really went hard at Sean Spicer. And I'm not saying that that wasn't justified. That's for sure justified. But Sarah Huckabee Sanders is far worse than Sean Spicer, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. So that's happened. He's out. Uh, so now there, there's an opening for the new White House communications director, which was a role that was filled by Sean Spicer previously. He was doing both jobs, press secretary and director of White House communications, which is 
too much going on for one dude. Well, maybe he'll come back now because the mooch is gone. Right. And that's why he submitted his resignation. The mooch. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Those fucking sunglasses. Get out of here with that. All right. Well, listen, the next story is um, we went in depth about the Russia meeting with Natalia Veselnitskaya and Donald Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner and Paul Manafort and the other individuals who showed up at the meeting. The party. Yeah, the, the, that were all previously undisclosed. No, this is it. This is all the information that's out there until it wasn't, until there was more information to be known. Well, when the, the meeting was initially revealed, a statement was released by Don Jr. about the nature of the meeting. Of course, it was chalked up to adoption, which isn't what they talked about. They would have talked about sanctions because we have nothing to do with the adoptions uh, blockade, if you will, that is a Russia issue. We don't have any control over the ban on Americans adopting Russian children because it comes from the other side. Well, we're finding out now that that first statement, which was a total lie, filled with lies, was drafted directly, dictated to Donald Trump Jr. by Donald Trump on Air Force One. Yes, the White House said the president was involved in the crafting of a misleading statement that initially obscured the true nature of his son, Donald Trump Jr.'s meeting with a Russian lawyer during the campaign. There's no inaccuracy in the statement. The president weighed in as any father would based on the limited information that he had. The questions came after a Washington Post story reporting that the president dictated the statement released July 8th for Trump Jr., then inaccurately claimed the meeting was focused on Russian adoptions. We primarily discussed a program about the adoption of Russian children that was active and popular with American families years ago and was since ended by the Russian government. Three days after that statement, Trump Jr. released four pages of his own email showing the Russian attorney planned to provide information that, quote, would incriminate Hillary and her dealings with Russia and would be very useful to your father. Talking to reporters on Air Force One the next day, the president was still talking up the adoption explanation, saying they talked about the adoption stuff, which was actually a big thing at the time, but nothing happened. A story he was still using at a news conference the following day. I guess they talked about... As I see it, they talked about adoption and some things. Uh, adoption wasn't even a part of the campaign. Uh, but nothing happened from the meeting. Zero happened from the meeting. And honestly, I think the press made a very big deal over something that really a lot of people would do. Say something. Asked about that initial misleading statement from Donald Trump Jr., White House outside counsel Jay Sekulow insisted the president was not involved. That statement was, um, I, and I don't, by the way, I, I wasn't involved in the statement drafting at all, uh, nor was the president. I'm assuming that was between Mr. Uh, Donald Trump Jr., between Don Jr. and his lawyer. I'm sure his lawyer was involved. That's how you do it. And uh, you know that. And so to put this on the president, I, I think is just absolutely incorrect. Leaders from both parties say the president's involvement in his son's statement is yet another concern for the Russia investigation. If it's true, I think it is a serious concern, but we don't know that it is. If you'd had the emails available to you, you would understand that the whole meeting wasn't about adoption, that the email chain shows that it was about the Russian government wanting to help the Trump campaign. Uh, I don't think the statement helped Don Jr. I don't know what role the president played, if any. Uh, here's what I would suggest, that when you put out a misleading statement, it's going to be hard to convince people to stop looking at other things. So Donald Trump said in that clip... As I see it, the meeting was about adoption. Yeah. I'm so sick of these qualifying phrases at the beginning of the sentence. Wig I don't Wiggle care. Yeah. I don't care how you see it. That's not what happened. We want to know the reality. Yeah. Not your particular flavor of the reality. What actually happened. Or even as far as I know. Well, I don't. I, I don't care. We're, we're working with facts here. Yeah. We're working with what actually happened. And I love what Lindsey Graham said there at the end. The Intelligence Committee, they are going to be curious about this now. This might not have, have been a big deal, uh, but it is because this is an inconsistency. Well, why would Donald Trump want to obfuscate? Why would he want to say something that's not accurate in order to mislead the public 
by dictating that first statement, which was inaccurate. It really is. The it's the ultimate in the Dunning Kruger effect, which we talked about, I think, prior to the break, to, prior to our vacation. Um, he, I think Donald Trump really thinks he's got a fucking stranglehold on how to deal with the media. And rather than just coming out with all the details all at once, thinking that. Let me put it this way. I believe he thought that he could control the narrative that no other details would be revealed, that the media wouldn't find anything else out. And clearly, he doesn't understand the pace at which the media is working, the furious pace, the, the deep sources that they have, because all of it came out after three or four different swipes at trying to get ahead of the story the media was ahead of them at every turn. Well, here is, since Brittany is loving Sarah Huckabee Sanders so much, here is Sarah Huckabee Sanders fielding questions from reporters about this very thing, lying, obfuscating, redirecting, misdirecting. It's a shell game with information and I don't understand a woman who purports herself to be a God-fearing Christian woman can lie so easily and so often on the job. The statement that Don Jr. issued is true. There's no inaccuracy in the statement. The president weighed in as any father would. All right, I'm going to stop there. Right away. There are no inaccuracies in the statement. One, the meeting was not about adoption. If it was about anything related to adoption, it would have been about sanctions. Sanctions placed on Russia by the United States and what the new incoming administration could do to take care of those for Russia, for Vladimir Putin, related to the Magnitsky Act, which I've talked about in previous episodes. It wasn't about adoption. The other thing is, the meeting was organized under the guise of the Russian government wanting to assist the campaign efforts of Donald Trump. The, su the subject line of the goddamn email was Russia Hillary confidential, something like that. It had nothing to do with adoption. The entire meeting was predicated on opposition research, dirt, provided by, ostensibly, provided by the Russian government through this emissary, Natalia Veselnitskaya. And we know that Donald Trump Jr. knew yes. because he said, yes, I love it. I love it. If what you say is true, I love it. And we're going to use it later in the fall. Would, based on the limited information that he had, uh, this is all discussion, frankly, of no consequence. There was no follow-up. It was disclosed to the proper parties, which is how the New York Times found out about it to begin with. The Democrats want to continue to use this as a PR stunt and are doing everything they can to keep this story alive and in the papers every single day. The president, the American people, they voted America first, not Russia first, and that's the focus of our administration. Sir, John? Can you clarify the degree to which the president waited? Uh, he didn't. He certainly didn't dictate, but you know, he, like I said, he weighed in, offered suggestion, like any father would do. Did he not know what the Stephen? Uh, we'll follow up on that. Was he aware at the time that uh, Don Jr. had had a meeting that was based on the pretext that he would be promised information that was negative about Hillary Clinton when he suggested that the statement only say that the meeting was primarily about Russian adoption policy? Like I said, the statement that was issued was true and there were no inaccuracies in the statement. I think what the bigger question is, everybody wants to try to make this some story about misleading. The only thing I see misleading is a year's worth of stories that have been fueling a false narrative about this Russia collusion and based on a phony scandal based on anonymous sources. And I, I think that is, if we're going to talk about misleading, that's the only thing misleading I see in this entire process. Like you guys are focused 
focused uh, on a meeting that Don Jr. had no consequence uh, when the Democrats actually colluded with a foreign government like Ukraine. The Democrat-linked firm Fusion GPS actually took money from the Russian government while it created the phony dossier that's been the basis for all of the Russia scandal fake news. And if you want to talk further about a relationship with Russia, look no further than the Clintons, as we've said time and time again. Bill Clinton was paid half a million dollars to give a speech to a Russian bank and was personally thanked by Putin for it. Hillary Clinton allowed one-fifth of America's uranium to reserve to be sold to a Russian firm whose investors were Clinton Foundation donors, and the Clinton campaign chairman's brother lobbied against sanctions on Russia's largest bank and failed to report it. If you guys want to talk about having relations, which you seem obsessed with doing, look no further than there. If you want to talk about somebody who's actually been tough on Russia, look at President Trump. He wants more fracking more coal, more energy, a stronger military, a stronger defense. Those things aren't good for Russia. I think the distinctions are very clear, and you guys want to create a narrative that just doesn't exist. You want to create a narrative that just doesn't exist. I don't know what she's smoking, but it's pretty fucking good because that is an outrageous claim. That is an assertion that special counsel... Bob Mueller, and both House and Senate Intelligence Committees are not making progress in their investigations, which is just not true. All these meetings that were lied about, oh, they didn't happen. No, no meetings, no meetings. And then we find out about the meetings. Oh, yeah, there were meetings, but nothing nothing important was discussed. And then we find out important shit was discussed. Then it's like, oh, no, 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 that's not the way it was. Well, and then we find out that, I mean, originally they said that Donald Trump Jr. wrote the statement himself. Right. That Donald Trump was not involved in the process. Well, then we learned that he was involved in the process. So how many times does this have to happen before they finally admit fault? Well, listen, it's important because at some point something terrible is going to happen related to terrorism or some military action overseas where we're going to need to be able to take the president at his word. And if we can't even trust him for the little things, how in the fuck are we supposed to trust him when he says that this was an act of terror or whatever happened, happened? We need to be able to trust our political leaders. And in Donald Trump, we just don't have that. The problem is you have about 30% of the population that is so brainwashed. It doesn't matter what he does. It doesn't matter what this administration does. They defend him and they take their marching orders. And some of this I'm getting because I, you know, my, the YouTube haters that I have. When I do a video, there's crickets until the White House has a time to respond to whatever the issue that I'm talking about. Once once the White House comes out with their line, then all of the trolls come out and start repeating. So this thing about fracking, oh, Donald Trump is so tough on Russia. Vladimir Putin's the only person that Donald Trump has not criticized ever. Everyone else, Americans of every stripe, Donald Trump has shit on, but not Vladimir Putin. World leaders Donald Trump has shit on, but not Vladimir Putin. So we had a listener write in and say that in order to make the show a little more interesting, we should choose a different side and argue it. So Donald (laughs) Trump is extremely trustworthy and very honest. And anytime a terrorist attack happens, I'm going to believe what he says 100%. (laughs) So I guess what you're saying is we're not going to be doing that. <laughs> uh, what I'm saying is that's hard to do. Yeah, very hard to do. It's really hard. Yeah. So uh, here's the other thing. He's taking credit now for the House of Representatives and the Senate passing this sanctions bill. Yeah. And that's not the way it went down. They did it as a measure to make sure that the Russia thing was taken care of because they don't have faith in the president. And they passed the sanctions bill with a veto-proof majority that they could override his veto if he chose to do it. So because of maintaining 
and preserving whatever political capital he has, he chose to sign the bill. Yeah, but he's doing it reluctantly. Yeah. He's not happy about it. In fact, is, he... Is, he gonna, is there going to be a signing statement? He released a signing statement. Oh, he did? Yeah. You want to explain what a signing statement is or should I? Uh, you go ahead. A, a signing statement is when a president signs a bill but has reservations about certain issues within it. So they'll sign it kind of like reluctantly but say, okay, well, here are the issues I have, blah, blah, blah. I'm not fully on board with this. And apparently that's what he's done. Yes. So he says, quote, still, the bill remains seriously flawed, particularly because it encroaches on the executive branch's authority to negotiate. Congress could not even negotiate a health care bill after seven years of talking. By limiting the executive's flexibility, this bill makes it harder for the United States to strike good deals for the American people and will drive Russia, China, and North Korea much closer together. The framers of our Constitution put foreign affairs in the hands of the president. This bill will prove the wisdom of that choice. Yet despite its problems, I am signing this bill for the sake of national unity. <laughs> oh, thank you, yeah. Sam. It represents the will of the American people to see Russia take steps to improve relations with the United States. We hope there will be cooperation between our two countries on major global issues so that these sanctions will no longer be necessary. Further, the bill sends a clear message to Iran and North Korea that the American people will not tolerate their dangerous and destabilizing behavior. America will continue to work closely with our friends and allies to check those countries' malignant activities. And here's the, here's the best part. Mm. I built a truly great company worth millions, worth many billions of dollars. This is a big part of the reason I was elected. As president, I can make far better deals with foreign countries than Congress. You've yet to make a single fucking deal, Donald Trump. You goddamn mook. You've done nothing other than undercut your own majority in Congress. Keep talking about the deals that you're going to be able to make. You're not in a position to maybe make them soon. You're president now. Make the goddamn deals and shut your fucking mouth. Ah, It's... All talk. All talk. Well, not only that, it's very disturbing that he is insulting Congress. Well, he's... This is what's going to happen. At every time that he has a loss politically, he's going to attack Congress. He's going to be attacking his own majority, his own party. And that's going to get real old real quick for Republicans in Congress. Because they're not going to continue to be loyal to a man who, who swipes at them constantly. Because they, they don't have any obligation to go along with him and his agenda. They just have the same letter after their name relative to their party. It'll get real old, and that will be his undoing. It will be Donald Trump who undoes himself. So, this is going to be a full Donald Trump hour here. Uh, he gave a speech to a bunch of police officers, and there's a certain clip of it that's very disturbing, and it's about him encouraging police to be brutal and I've heard commentary on this that it's w when when you put a criminal in a car, even even uh, Simone Sanders said this the other day at Politicon. These are suspects. We are innocent until proven guilty, especially related to how the government treats us when suspected or accused of a crime. Donald Trump said this. You see these towns, and when you see these thugs being thrown into the back of a paddy wagon, you just see them thrown in, rough. I said, please don't be too nice. Like when you guys put somebody in the car and you're protecting their head, you know, the way you put their hand over. Like, don't hit their head, and they've just killed somebody, don't hit their head. I said, you can take the hand away, okay? bothers me most about that clip is not what Donald Trump said, because that's expected from Donald Trump. 
He's a fucking idiot who doesn't understand our system of justice. What bothers me is that this is a room filled with police officers mm -hmm. who are cheering that sentiment. Joking or not, that is a, an alarming thing to say. Well, it's not. You can't, you can't laugh and clap for that. It's not a joke. You, you need to be taking your job seriously. You have a serious job. You have responsibilities. Yes. And the clapping and the cheering and the laughing, that indicates to me that these people are not taking their job seriously. You're working with the public. You have a responsibility to the public. Right. You're, you're, you're working for the public. Yes. You're a public servant. You're paid by the public to, to protect and serve. And to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, a.k.a. Donald Trump. You don't get to rough up someone because they're suspected of a crime. It's not fucking funny. And it's not worthy of applause and hooting and hollering. It's just, it's sad because... Donald, it, it's the state of U.S. police right now. Well, Donald Trump appeals to the worst of human nature. Right. That that impulse to want to do that to someone. Right. That's that's a lower instinct. Yeah. But police officers should be above that kind of thing. You can't let your adrenaline take over and dictate your behavior. You have to remain calm, rational, professional. You have to do your job. Right. And. I understand that there there would be this impulse, right? You you just arrested someone. They've allegedly done something bad. You want to rough them up, but that's not your job. You're not supposed to do that. Right? You've arrested an innocent person because until they're convicted by a jury of their peers, they are innocent. Yes, and I think that this concept <laughs> is lost on a lot of people. And also, people think this is funny until they're in a situation where this happens to yeah, them. Yeah, sure. And you might be innocent, and this might happen to you. So it's all fun and games until it happens to you. The police are constrained by the Constitution. I said this before we left on vacation. Police departments and the government is at a disadvantage by design. They are supposed to be working from a disadvantage. The ordinary, everyday American citizen... They have the advantage. That is the way our system is set up. That's the way the Constitution reads. It is just the way it is. And if you're not into that, you don't get to be a cop. And we surely don't need the goddamn President of the United States encouraging police brutality. Especially with the problem that we have on our hands right now related to young black men being beaten down. Guns pulled on them, pulled over for no reason, killed at a rate seven times higher than that of their white American brothers and sisters. This is a problem. This should have gotten more press this week. Luckily, there were police departments who did stand up and make statements and say, this is unacceptable talk. We will not... Follow his lead. We have the Constitution to answer to. Not this fucking mook who doesn't understand the way things work. Well, this wasn't the only very troubling announcement from the administration this week. Just yesterday it came out that the Justice Department intends to do what the Justice Department needs to do, which is Really take a stand for, for, for Americans who are downtrodden and oppressed in America. You know, white people. So the New York Times is reporting that the Justice Department may focus the resources of the agency's Civil Rights Division on, quote, investigating and suing universities over affirmative action admissions policies deemed to discriminate against white applicants. <laughs> You know, if there's any group in America that really needs a hand up right now, it's white people, Brittany. It's long. It's been too long that the white man has been held down by the system. Can't get a break in this country, white people. We need help getting into those colleges. 
So are you fucking kidding me? So Jeff Sessions, who's not a racist, Brittany. Sorry, I'm going crazy here. Mm-hmm. Not a racist. Well, you're arguing the other side. It's good. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I, the New York Times. We don't really know how exactly this is going to work yet, but they talked to this guy Roger Clegg, a former top official in the Civil Rights Division during the Reagan administration and the first Bush administration, who is now the president of the conservative Center for Equal Opportunity. He has called the project a welcome and long overdue development as the United States becomes increasingly multiracial. And wow. And he said he would expect the project to focus on investigating complaints the Civil Rights Division received about any university admission programs. He also suggested that the project would look for stark gaps in test scores and dropout rates among different racial cohorts within student bodies, which he said would be evidence suggesting that admission offices were putting too great an emphasis on applicants' race and crossing the line the Supreme Court has drawn. The Supreme Court, since he referenced it, has taken on this issue and they've ruled that educational benefits that flow from having or educational benefits do flow from having a diverse student body and that that can justify using race as one factor among a more holistic evaluation of a student. But this means that it's important to reject blunt racial quotas or race-based point systems and apparently this is kind of a a murky territory where what this actually means or how this is put into practice is a little difficult to determine when a university is crossing the line. So there right. are lawsuits right now sure there are. in place yeah. uh, for people that didn't get in and they believe that it was not justified or it was justified in a well, racist that's, way. That's what the court system is for is when there's a case where it might be questionable and you feel like you were treated unfairly, you go to the court. You don't need the Justice Department in this case because it's not that wide-sweeping a problem where white people can't get into college. Come on. I'm not saying that there's not individual um, isolated incidents that might be questionable. Of course that's going to be the case. But to strip away... Programs like this that help underserved, underprivileged, poor people of color is misguided. Because poverty has effects that can't be readily seen, both on test scores and expectation for success. And that's where the hand up comes. Because a lot of kids don't have any fucking idea about how to get into college. And we need to make it easier on them to get them get them the help and the hand up so they can get off of system the system. Public assistance. It almost seems like the people that are defending this say, well... You know, these whole civil rights laws, they were put into place to even the even the playing field. And now the playing field's even. So we should stop doing this. Right. And that just seems very misguided and wrong. And I've even had people tell me when I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking of applying to this place and blah, blah, blah. And I've had people say to me. You've had rational people say this to you. That it might be easier if I weren't white. To get in. Well, it, they all, it's almost like an apology to you. Like, oh, well, that's going to be tough. Sorry. Yeah. And I don't know how this idea <laughs> is so pervasive. Yeah. Well, it's because of misinformation like this. And now this is going to be government sponsored. Government initiated where they have the power and weight of the United States Department of Justice behind it. Does anybody remember this when Donald Trump said this to black voters trying to woo them? Tonight, I'm asking for the vote of every single African-American citizen in this country who wants to see a better future. Look how much African-American communities have suffered under democratic control. To those I say the following, what do you have 
to lose by trying something new like Trump. What do you have to lose? I say it again. What do you have to lose? Look, what do you have to lose? You're living in poverty. Your schools are no good. You have no jobs. 58% of your youth is unemployed. What the hell do you have to lose? Come on. And now this is what's happening. He lulled them in. And granted, he didn't get a lot of black vote. But come the fuck on. What the hell do you have to lose? I'll tell you what they had to lose. Protections. Government-sponsored, controlled protections. In assistance. Affirmative action. Help getting into colleges that they might not normally be able to get into. Well, he should have, in the middle of that statement, said, I'm planning to appoint Jeff Sessions as the attorney general. So, I mean, take it or leave it, you know. But at least he's looking out for white people. It's been a long time. White people have been held down for many hundreds of years, Brittany Page. We need, we need help getting into college. Yeah. Arguing that other side again. I appreciate it. (laughs) According to the New York Times, the Civil Rights Division has been a recurring culture war battleground as it passed between Democratic and Republican administrations. So during the George W. Bush years, its overseers violated civil service hiring laws and inspector general found by filling its career ranks with conservatives who often had scant experience in civil rights law. At the same time, it brought fewer cases alleging systematic discrimination against minorities and more alleging reverse discrimination against whites, like a 2006 lawsuit forcing Southern Illinois University to stop reserving certain fellowship programs for women or members of underrepresented racial groups. In 2009, the Obama administration vowed to revitalize the agency and hired career officials who brought in many new lawyers with the experience working for traditional liberal-leaning civil rights organizations. Hmm. So this is commonly a battleground. When a Republican gets in, you you see some of this a little bit. When a Democrat gets in, kind of goes back to supporting the civil rights programs. I don't know that we've seen it quite like this, though. And right. we'll, we'll see what happens. Right. This is just an announcement. We'll see wh- what their actions are. But it seems par for the course. This seems like right in line with something Jeff Sessions would do. You know, Mr. Voter Suppression, Jeff Sessions. We'll keep following it. It is definitely uh, a problematic development. What the hell do you have to lose? The asshole of today. Catherine Templeton. Catherine Templeton, you say? Mm hmm. She's the South Carolina governor candidate, and she said that she's, quote, proud of the Confederacy. <laughs> of course she is. And pledged, quote, we're not going to rewrite history by removing Confederate monuments. So she literally said she's proud of the Confederacy. Of the traitors. Who fought against the United States. This, this is These idiots drive me crazy. We're not rewriting history by removing monuments, celebrations to slavery and those who fought to keep it in place. It's not rewriting history to remove a statue of Saddam Hussein in the square of the city. Your oppressor, your dictator, the murderer who ran your country. That's not rewriting history. It's, I don't want to fucking look at that anymore because that's an anthem to my oppression. Yeah. Here's how this went down. So she was speaking at a Republican town hall in Pickens County. Ooh. Which is, <laughs> which is a conservative area. Bordering, Pickens County, y'all. bordering North Carolina County. and Georgia. <laughs> With the state's smallest percentage of African-Americans, a man who identified himself as a member of the Sons of Confederate Veterans asked Templeton about her views on, quote, Southern heritage and Southern defense. Southern defense? Yes. Mm -hmm. Hmm. 
she she said, quote, not on my watch. I don't think there's anything else to say about it. You cannot rewrite history. I don't care whose feelings it hurts. You cannot rewrite history. We're standing on the shoulders of giants in South Carolina. And it's why are are who we are, where we are. That's what's written. <laughs> <laughs> That's why are are where we are now. Okay. And I, very, and I very much respect the men who gave their homes, their fortunes, and their lives to put us in this position. To, to- Fortunately. To defend the ownership of other human beings based on the color of their skin. That's what she's talking about. Fortunately, we have a law, too, that protects us, and I'm sure it will be enforced. Apparently, she's talking about a state law which requires two-thirds approval in the legislature to remove historical monuments. She went on to say... Quote, I've already said and mean it from the bottom of my heart that I'm proud to be from South Carolina. I'm proud of the Confederacy. Ugh. Goddamn. Look, being proud to be from South Carolina is one thing, and that's fine. It's a beautiful state, beautiful people, hospitable people. But to be proud of the Confederacy is a misguided and disgusting sentiment. Because the Confederacy, I'm not going to go through it again. Well, she also They're defenders of fucking slavery. She also went she was asked for a quote on this and she provided one to Post and Courier and said, "I'm proud of my family and that doesn't make me a racist. History may make us uncomfortable, but it made us who we are." Listen, if your family did bad things, it's okay to say that they did bad things yes. and that you're not proud to have their name or you're not proud to be associated with them. It's okay to say that. Yeah. You don't have to hold some allegiance to your family. There's no obligation. Because they're your family. That's right. Just and because you share DNA does not mean that you must remain loyal and never say anything bad. Yeah, it's a weird impulse that we have and these societal messages that everyone receives that, oh, it's family, it's blood. You have to maintain this weird allegiance regardless of what they do. No. Right. If they did shitty things... It's okay to admit that. At the very least, admit it. Yeah, and then stop saying that you're proud of it as well. Uh, that would be nice. That would be nice. All right. With that nice sentiment. You're supposed to say that wouldn't be nice. No, I can't do that. We're not. <laughs> that's not a good idea. We're not going to do that. Well, we that. appreciate the idea, but it was just too hard. It's too hard to do. I'm going to take the other side. It was a terrible idea. Okay. We have to argue the opposite side, Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently we do. All right, everybody. We're going to leave you there. Thank you for joining us for this episode 324 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I will drop the phone number. I got to get back in the habit of doing the show. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I Doubt It at dollamore.com. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. What the hell do you have to lose? <laughs> <laughs>